So we have Matthew, here we go, chapter 19, just two verses, two verses today. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. I'm going to read it again just because it was short and we got time. And I'm actually going to include one more verse, number thir- verse 13. Then people brought the little children to Jesus for, for him to place his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. This is the word of the Lord. Together we say, thanks be to God. As I said last week, we're taking a few weeks off from starting a new series. We'll have our Dill Lecture combined worship service next week in the sanctuary. Please tell your friends. If you see somebody who goes to our church out in the community, say, hey, just a reminder, we're not in the um, Moore Hall. We're all going to be a sanctuary. And if you see somebody who doesn't go to our church, invite them to come. Invite them to come and be a part of it with us. Last week, we looked internally at who we are as individuals and who God's calling us to be as a church. And I'm so thankful for your response. I've heard from so many people, so many affirming things, and I appreciate that. I always welcome feedback, whether it's affirming or if it's constructive. I promise. I'm, I'm a very much a please let me know what you think kind of guy. And so thank you for all the ways in which you have been um, speaking life into what Robbins and I preached last week. This morning, we're going to go in a different direction, though. In light of what we just saw with all the children coming up here and all the volunteers, I would like to preach from the subject, look to the children. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. Before I forget, because I almost did, after worship, please help us stack the chairs um, Roy is not able to be with us this afternoon, and so we have programming in here tonight. And so if you could, just please just grab your chair, and we're going to put them in stacks, and we got some dollies over there. All right? Well, let's jump into the Word now together. So I was excited about preaching the way in which the Bible talks about children and affirms children, particularly for Matthew. Um, up until I took uh, Sheila, two stellar volunteers, and I um, took a bus full of confirmands to Baldwin County yesterday. We got to go across the bay with 19 sixth graders. And I don't know if you know, if you checked the temperature yesterday, but it was hot. We were hanging out. Somebody said 112. That, I think it felt like 140. It was excruciating. I don't know if you've ever spent a whole day outside of 19, 12, or 13-year-olds, but I had not. And I was, as we were getting close to the end of the day, I started thinking, I might need to change my sermon for tomorrow. I'm just kidding. We had so much fun. It was hot. It really was. But the confirmands were fantastic. We had so much fun doing the zip line, doing the ropes course, and, and talking about the scripture. It was a wonderful day to welcome our new confirmation class to community together. I see some of them here this morning. And, and that group is a testament to the type of student and the strength of the class that our children's ministry is producing. As I was there yesterday with these 19 confirmands and Sheila and our awesome volunteers, I just couldn't help but think, man, these students are already being formed well before they get to confirmation. We think of confirmation as learning about the church, learning about faith. It's almost as if in my mind I thought, well, it's a blank slate 
we got to teach them things about Jesus. But they already knew so much. We were sitting there, and I was so encouraged by how much they knew about Scripture. When I asked them a question about what it meant to follow Jesus, they were ready with answers. We talked for almost an hour about what it means to be a Christ follower, about what different scriptures meant for our lives, about how we can emulate Christ. Like It was really incredible and affirming. And I am so grateful, and I knew this before, but yesterday was just more affirmation. I'm grateful to serve a church that places an incredible value on our children's ministry. I'm thankful to be appointed to a a church that that places an incredible value on what children bring to our community. We talked a couple months ago about youth and about sometimes youth are looked down on because they're young, and, and that sometimes is the case with children also. But as we saw this morning, we have so much life, so much to give thanks for, and so much to learn from our children. I was even more grateful for this because of a recent experience that Brianna and I had. We went to church the other day for the first time as parents of an infant. We had not yet been in a service where one of us was not participating and leading the service. We both sat, and like many of you today, and like most of us at some point in our lives now or in the future, we were just two people in a worship service with a baby. And I'm thinking, if we can just get through, this is the first time I've ever had to go through this, so I have more, um, I have more empathy for all of our parents in the room. If we can just get through the service, you know, with, with minimal amounts of spit up on the ground and on other people, I will consider it a win. Like, not, you don't have to spit, you can't, you know, you don't have to spit up not at all, August. You, you can still spit up some, just, just minimal. Can we, like, reduce the amount of spit up for this worship service? Well, we were sitting there in worship, and August was being great. But then she made, like, this little coo. It's cute. Like, you know, when a baby makes a noise, like a little coo, it's, like, adorable, and you can't really smile. Well, there's this lady sitting in front of us. And she gives us this, um, this head turn, little side eye, looks back, and I was like, well, that's silly, you know, that's, you know whatever. It, 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 the baby was melting my heart. I didn't think too much of it. As we went on with the service, though, um, August did spit up and choked her up a little bit, and, and she coughed. <laughs> you know, like, not major. She wasn't going crazy. She wasn't losing it. She just coughed. And like, on cue... Pew lady turns, gives us a little bit stronger side eye, a little more deliberate this time. And the first time I was like, you know, whatever. This time I was a little frustrated because she's just coughing. She can't help it. She's a baby. She's just coughing. Well, then we're holding August. She's looking over Brianna's shoulder and some little kid is sitting behind her and she catches August's eye and August laughs. And it was adorable. I mean, you know, when a baby laughs, it's just like, Jesus, there's not a sweeter sound in heaven than hearing this baby laugh. And of course, the noise police <laughs> just turns real deliberate. Like, and it wasn't side eye, it was full on stare. And I've never wanted to make a scene in a worship service more than in that moment. I was getting ready to bust up. I mean, I, you know, I was thinking, it is my pastoral duty, my parental duty, to let this lady know what's up with her side eye giving us the what for. I'm just telling you, And so I was about to lean forward and tell her, I believe under her does the kingdom belong, says the Bible. (laughs) And you know when you're in a relationship with somebody for a long time and they know your thoughts before you even know your thoughts and you can communicate without words? Well, as I'm getting ready to tell this lady what's what, just lean forward a little whisper about the Bible because I'm a pastor. I look at Brianna 
And if looks were daggers, I'd be dead. Because she already knew. Hey, she, she said this to me with her eyes. She said, I know you want to lean forward and tell that lady that the Bible says that unto thee such the kingdom belongs. And so, but you better not do it. All that with her eyes. So I didn't. I wanted to. My wife is a much better person than I am. I need to be a Christian like her. We left church that day, though, and both said, we are both so thankful to hear the sound of children in our worship service. We are both so grateful that that when August cries and kind of loses a little bit, we don't get a bunch of dirty stares because we've all been there, and it's hard. Oftentimes, you cannot control what your child, an infant, or an adult does. My parents can attest, even as an adult, you still can't make them do what you want them to do. And so I'm thankful that as a service and as a church, like we together affirm that having children in this worship service is beautiful, which is why I say, if your kid is crying during worship, I can keep on preaching. They're not going to bother me. And I understand, you know, sometimes when August loses it, Brianna will step out to the side. She doesn't want to be too distracting, you know, want to make sure. But we are a church that just raises children together. And for that, I give thanks. Friends, there are a lot of churches in the world that would love nothing more than to hear a baby cry. You know, of the 600 churches in our annual conference as the United Methodist Church, only 67 of them worship 200 or more people on an average Sunday. And most of those smaller churches are older congregations, rural. Some of them have 20 people or less. And a children has not darkened their doors in years. And I bet if August were to go in there and make a little coo or cry, they wouldn't be giving us that side eye. They'd be like, pass it around. We'll, we'll stop worship, make sure she's good, right? And so this morning, I want us, as just collectively as a unit and as an internal individuals, to just say thanks to God. That right now in this moment, we are hearing the the words of children in our midst. That we are celebrating a beautiful children's ministry. I am grateful to serve a church that loves our children and that affirms their role in our community. And as we look back at our text this morning, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to bring in another passage into what I was preaching Most of you know me and know that I like preaching from long selections of texts. I like the the Bible to be the center of the sermon, and we read it, and we talk about it for a long time, and then I elaborate on it just a little bit. And so I thought, well, this quote from Jesus will just be like the additive. We'll find another scripture that talks about how the Bible recognizes and works with children, and then I'll throw in this quote from Jesus, because obviously it's pretty important too, because Jesus is kind of an important guy. And so I, I was thinking about it, I was praying on it, I was getting ready to write this sermon, And the more I thought about it, I realized this quote from Jesus, this scene where Jesus is interacting with the children, is not just some additional line to throw into a sermon. It's not just one little thing off to the side that the Bible says about kids. It's kind of the center of how we as Christians view children as part of our beliefs and how we understand what their role is and what God believes about these kids. As we are looking at this scripture, you know, the the disciples, they think Jesus, you know, head honcho, he doesn't have time for, for any riffraff or any lollygagging. Jesus is doing good work. And as we enter into the story, people are trying to bring children to come see Jesus. And the disciples, they stop them. Like, nope, y'all can't come in here. Y'all can't come over here. Jesus does not have time for you. Children are, are low on the social totem pole. And so they're like, Jesus needs to be doing more important Jesus-y things. He doesn't have time to be trying to mess with your kids and, and, and to be trying to heal them. They, you know, they're not as important as adults. So y- y'all stay over there. Jesus is gonna be, and Jesus, he overhears this. And he says, whoa, don't be, don't be stopping the children 
because not only does he affirm that he wants to see them, not only does he say you know, that the children should be allowed to come and receive blessing and healing, that they are important. He says, for unto such as these belongs the kingdom of heaven. He basically says, you don't know what you're doing. You've got it all wrong. You think that they are not important. And I'm here to tell you that it is the kids who've got it figured out. There's, unto the children belongs the kingdom of heaven. Then they came and he placed his hands on them. And it says after that that they went from there. And what was great is right after this story, we didn't read the scripture, but I encourage you to go read it. Because there's a great story about Jesus interacting with a rich man. And he's the person who everybody thinks, well, he's really holy. You know, he knows the law and he follows the law. He's got great wealth, so obviously God has blessed him. This is like the pinnacle of religiosity. This is like, this person is like the best Jew. This is who we shall aspire to be. And he goes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And everybody's like, I wonder why he wonders. He's already following the law. And Jesus and he talk for a little bit and essentially it gets down to the point where he tells this man, sell all your possessions, give your wealth to the poor, and in that you will find your treasure in heaven. So this person who we think should already be an inheritor of the eternal life and of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, you've got it all wrong. And to the children who we think are as far from being inheritors of the eternal life, they've got it figured out. It's not a happenstance that these interactions of Jesus are placed next to each other. Matthew is deliberately trying to show us a juxtaposition that is very important. Sometimes we think we know who's got it right when we know sometimes we've got it all mixed up. And as we reflect on the scripture this morning, I have a question for us. Surprise, right? It's kind of my MO. After we move out of the talking about the scripture, I always say, now a question for us is this this morning. My question for us is, what is it about children that deems them worthy to inherit the kingdom? Or maybe saying worthy is not even the right way to say it. Why is it that Jesus says it's the children who inherit? Unto these belongs the kingdom of heaven. What is it about our kids that Jesus sees so special and sees something more in than maybe his society did? Without putting words into Jesus' mouth, I would like to just kind of collectively pontificate, to speculate about what, what these things might be. What is it about these qualities of our children to which Jesus is speaking? Perhaps the first thing children possess that we might not is an unrequited sense of wonder. You remember when you were a kid and like your imagination is as big as it can possibly be? Children have not yet dispensed of their ability to believe in miracles. They have not yet begun to question the things that God can't or can't do. They haven't put God in theological boxes that have to be this or that. They, assume, they don't just assume because something is beyond regular human activity that it can't be possible. Their sense of wonder and imagination fits perfectly with what we understand as the mystery of faith. There's so much about our faith that is mysterious, that is beyond knowing, that is beyond reason or rationale. When we come to this communion table, we call it this holy mystery. Together we affirm the mystery of faith. And in that, we need to appreciate that in order to know or really to be present with this mystery, we need a sense of wonder, a sense of imagining. We need to release these preconceived notions of reality that we have to be ascribed to and say, you know what, God is God and we are not. The second thing I, I think that our children and our childhood selves possess 
that is valuable to God is a genuine innocence. A genuine innocence that is not yet cynical of the world, that has not yet decided um, who's in and who's out, that has not um, created false allegiances or the quest for the almighty dollar above all else. Think about it when your kids go to the playground. There's a playground up near my house, Labretta Park. Maybe you take your kids up there. I love walking by there because parents will just come and the kids will play and they'll play together without ever having met each other. When do we stop doing that? When do we decide because, decide because you don't look like me, I'm not gonna play with you? Or because we don't make the same, in the, we're not the same socioeconomic status, um, you can't, we're not gonna be in the same friend group. That innocence of a children, ch- child that just says, you know what? You're a human, I'm a human, let's be friends. <laughs> that innocence that says we don't have to be put into some social box that just says we're gonna be who God's created us to be. I wish there was a way to recapture that wide-eyed innocence as adults. I believe that there is, but it takes a lot of breaking down of walls. It takes a lot of letting go of the things that we think are most important in life. And perhaps the, the thing that this sense of wonder and genuine innocence play into, the thing that I believe might be at the heart, at the core of why these children are so special to Jesus is because a child has a heart of God for a very specific reason. A couple weeks ago, we talked about connections and the way in which we're connected to God. And a child is helpless, especially an infant child, but even children as they grow, they require a lot of attention. I'm learning they require a lot of attention. August told me at six o'clock that she needs attention, which is not early for a lot of y'all, but I'm, she sleeps through the night, so it's early for me this morning. And she's, she said with her cries and her tears and her, her screams, hey, I, I need you to come pick me up. I need you to take care of me. Truly, just helpless. She is not only helpless, but she's dependent on someone else. Her life has an interdependence that requires somebody else to be in her life so that she can survive and be who she needs to be. You know, the essence of who God is, is Trinity. This is what we talked about a couple weeks ago. That God, in the most true form that we know, is one being in three persons. One being that is Father, Son, and Spirit. And so for God to be truly who God is, God is dependent on the other forms of God to be present. I know that sounds kind of weird and maybe a little ethereal, metaphysical. It is, because God is beyond knowing. But God, through the scriptures and through our tradition, we believe that God is a, a, a three persons in one being, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. You've, you've probably said that phrase a lot, Trinity. We believe that. But at its core, for that to be real, then God's essence is dependent, is in relationship with God's self. That these beings, this being in persons, says, I am only the Father in relationship to the Son. I think God recognizes that that part of being created, part of being in general, just being, is being willing to lean on someone else, on something else, to recognize that 
life is not meant to be created and lived in isolation. You know, as a preacher, I always say, we, we have certain things we say over and over. And if there's anything that I can try to really help us all internalize is that I need you and you need me. Amen. And you need the person next to you. And in a sense, we are all helpless at some level, at some part of our being. We, in order to truly be who God wants us to be, we have to be in relationship. We have to lean on others in our times of need, it's not just I'm gonna pick myself up by my bootstraps and figure out this life thing on my own. It says, hey, I'm in need. Hey, I'm struggling. Hey, child rearing is really hard. Can you give me some help? Can you give me some advice? God sees these children and says, your value is not in what you can provide, but on the fact that you desperately need me, <laughs> that you are helpless. When God looks at you and me, he doesn't say, oh, you are now better because you can do this or that. He says, who you are is a child of mine and I want to provide for you. I want to care for you. I want to love you. That there's a, a deep reality to our essence, to our being, to who we are that is in need of what God wants to provide. And so if you're feeling overwhelmed because you're constantly doing, trying to be better, if you're feeling overwhelmed because you're trying to live up to some Christian ideal by doing, 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 and not stopping to realize the ways in which God is at work in your life, I invite you to pause your life, the busyness, the craziness, the the everything going on. To find a time, a specific place where you can sit and just pray and be still and feel the presence of God with you. Because no matter what you think you are as far as your worth and your value and what you provide, at your core, who we are, are people that God is desperate to love to be in relationship with. And so let us look to the children. Let us see that wonder. Let us yearn for a sense of a return to innocence. And may we recognize the fact that we are actually truly helpless without the work of God in our life. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for our children and how much they teach us. We ask that you help us to be patient. We ask that you help us to be mindful. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us when we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us when we have failed to do your will. Free us for joyful obedience to you. May we be always mindful of how we need to repent and the ways in which we need to turn. Help us to grow in our holiness as we seek to become whole. You are our God and we are your people. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.